Hey folks, welcome to the Battles of the First World War podcast. In this standalone episode, we're going to talk about visiting France and what Americans can expect if it's their first time going over there. If you've ever wanted to travel to France, but been reluctant to do so because of cultural differences, this episode should help clear up some questions or hesitations you might have. Note, ultimate credit for the creation of this episode goes to Mrs. Laurie Golke. Thank you so, so much for creating the connections that allowed this episode to happen. All right, so we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, so we are uh, live, and Carol and Randy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Cool. Carol, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So my name is Carol Kiefer, and I'm a cross-cultural trainer specializing in France and the U.S. I help people effectively navigate the cultural differences between the two countries so they can be comfortable and have the best possible experience. Now, that experience could involve visiting France, studying or doing business there, or even working for a French company in the U.S. My American business clients gain insight on how to interact and conduct business effectively with the French. And those who are moving to France also have an easier transition and assimilation into their new environment so they can enjoy work and life success. And of course, I also do the same coaching for French people encountering American culture. Now, you know, I was a student in France and I also worked for French companies, both there and in the US. So I've had time to witness quite a few cultural misunderstandings. So I felt compelled to become a cross-cultural trainer and also to write a book that explains French culture to Americans. And that book combines anecdotes from my experiences and advice about living in France. And I'm proud to say the book was the number one bestseller in two categories on Amazon when it was released last year. And it's called Living and Working in France, Thriving Through Understanding. And I am sure that some of the topics covered in my book are going to be discussed today on this podcast. Excellent. Oh, thank you. Uh, what a, great. That's so amazing that, that you cover both Americans moving to France, but also the reverse. Um, what, a, what, a, what a great concept. Um, all right. Uh, Randy, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. A lot of your uh, listeners probably know me. My name is Randy Galke, and I have a World War I website called muse-argon.com. During the uh, centennial of America's involvement in World War I, I spent eight months in France living as a freelance battlefield guide. But I've also, I've toured the battlefields almost annually since 1985. So I have quite a history there um, and quite a lot of uh, personal, uh, shall we say, from the school of hard knocks, um, finding out the cultural differences. So much like Carol, mine, my differences are, or what I've noticed is so much from the point of view of the battlefield tourist or the person who doesn't know much language. Um, and that's why I think it's neat that the three of us are doing this podcast so that we can 
sit down and talk about some of these cultural differences and make Americans have, as Carol said, the best possible experience. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and of course, um, pretty much all of you guys who are listening know me as well. Mike, I, I do the podcast. Um, but also uh, in this episode, I'm coming as someone who has, um, who has now traveled to France three times, uh, two times a little deeper, um, particularly out in the Meuse-Argonne. Um, and I'll share what experiences I have when, you know, when the, when the time comes up. Um, but I also did grow up um, going to Portugal in the summers when I was a, when I was a child, you know, all, all the way through my teen years. So I have experience traveling and, and being in a, in a uh, foreign country for a long period of time. It's just that it happens to be Portugal, not France. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, all right. So I'm going to have to begin with this first question and Carol, I apologize. And we can insert the horrible laugh track here. Uh, so France, so not only do they, you know, they speak a different language, they're in Europe. So as an American traveling to France for the first time, would, would I, if I were such an American, would I have to drive on the left side of the road? Absolutely not. It is not the United Kingdom. So fortunately, they drive on the same side of the road as us. So that part's easy. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So... Here's the thing, guys. France is different, yes, but it is not that different from the United States. Right. Um, so that's that's what I have found in 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 my experience. Um, if you guys have have anything that, that you want to add on to that, um, please go go right ahead. No, I think that's I think that's totally true. The biggest part is to help Americans see some of those differences and understand them, and be able to adjust or modify their behavior a little bit. So that they are more comfortable in France. Perfect, and that so that, so that leads us into um, how can how can an American tourist act in a in a respectful manner in French establishments? And that's something that is very important to consider because it can be a little different from the U.S. Like for example, uh, whenever you walk into a shop or a bakery, you should say bonjour. And when you're leaving, you should say merci, au revoir. And that goes a long way just to make eye contact with the shopkeeper and acknowledge them, for example. Oh, and there are other points as well, but I'd say that's the first one that people should be aware of. Okay. Now, as an American, uh, I've been um, hitting up the, the Duolingo app, really trying to learn my French. Oh, um, good. But I'm pretty, you know, my comprehension is is much, much better than my ability to respond. So should I, should I, as an American, should I attempt French or should I just stick to English? What do you suggest? Well, if you don't want to look like the ugly American, it really does help to try to speak some French. And they really do appreciate your effort when you try. Really does make a difference. Have you found that as well, Randy? Yeah. Yes, you can butcher the language and yeah. sound horrible. Yeah. But if you make that attempt, it really makes a difference. And yeah. one quick example I had, I went into an orange store in Sedan, where Sedan, 
um, looking for an international calling plan for a cell phone because I go almost every year. I put together a sentence or two in French and butchered it, but the lady was so impressed that she brought me over to her 20-something sales girl who then spoke English with me the rest of the time. But that's because I had made that effort. If I had just walked into that store speaking English, I'm not sure what reception I would have gotten. Right, right. So um, just to be clear, I'm going to play like kind of the uh, the, the the first tourist, um, the, the tourist going for their first time to France here just, just to get these questions. But I, I find that it, it, it helps too. Um, it, it definitely make that attempt to, to speak French because um, just like Carol and Randy said, like they, the, the local French people will appreciate it. And then not always, but at some point, just like with Randy's experience, they may, you know, they may go ahead and stop and just switch over to English or find someone who can speak English and help you out. But it is important to, to make that effort. Like, so uh, we are in France, we are in, in French country, so we should make an attempt to, to speak a, a little bit of French. <laughs> so if you have the luxury of time, take a French for travel course at the local adult high school. Um, if you can take one semester at a community college, there are meetup groups that speak French. There's um, all sorts of internet um, sites and apps. You know, there's, there are a variety of ways, more ways now than ever before to pick up some language. Yeah, there's no excuse anymore to not be able to learn at least enough French for traveling because you've got so much on YouTube. It's free. Correct. Uh, yeah. A lot of resources. I, I've had um, pretty pretty good luck with, with the, the Duolingo app, which you can get right on your right on a smartphone, and um, it will runs you through exercises, but it also will record you um, speaking short phrases and sentences in French, and then it, it'll grade you whether you you pass or not. So, um, so there's there's a lot of great great technology out there to to help you. Um, so we want to we want to, the the importance of eye contact, saying bonjour, saying au, au revoir, uh, and and merci, uh, attempting the French language. Um, now again, France is not that different, but it is a little bit different. So, as the first-time tourist to France, what can I expect uh, for size and space in like uh, automobiles, hotels, and the like? <laughs> this, this this is a great question, Mike, because I'll I'll start with the uh, with the cars. Um, I find I would find it very difficult to fit four Americans and their American sized luggage in a European car, except for perhaps a minivan. Um, they are smaller and especially the, the trunk and the storage capacity is much smaller. So you have to think about packing more concisely than you do going on going to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And also when you are parking the car, uh, there's something that people call occasionally contact parking but when people are parallel parking they very well may bump the car behind them and in front of them repeatedly until they're able to get into the spot because the spots can be so small so be prepared for that interest, <laughs> oh really? interest to spare is a term that i used one time and the person who was driving looked at me and was not too pleased with my use of that term <laughs> he had just gone through a very narrow street section yeah and and that that is true that this 
the space on the road is much smaller. Um, so not only is the space of the car, but the space on the road is much smaller. Your parking spaces are much smaller. Um, and in general, um, taking this to a broader thing, I, I would say personal space is much smaller in Europe than in America. So you will be you will have French people standing much closer to you than you're comfortable with. And you have to try to resist the, re- the reflex to step back. You don't want to offend them. So you just got to keep standing there and don't move. <laughs> Let them stay close. Well, this is, this is excellent. I mean, this, this whole um, bumping while parallel parking, that's, that's news to me. Um, and my American sensibilities are, are somewhat horrified, but, but that's cool. Uh, um, yeah. It, um, people standing closer to you. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, all right. Um, how about, um, how about like, like um, differences with, with like uh, hotel experiences, perhaps, um, perhaps uh, bed and breakfast type situations. What, what is the difference there? One of the biggest differences I notice is I hope you like about a three foot wide shower. Right. So <laughs> you, you don't get a huge shower that you typically get in the U.S. So, so talking about hotel rooms, for example, um, the shower is much smaller and almost almost an afterthought, it seems. Um, in the hotel, a couple of the things that I've noticed is um, at least in the small rural hotels, you still have a key and you still leave that at the counter or at a keyboard. Um, they Europeans don't give you washcloths. They expect you to bring what the British will call a face flannel. They expect you to bring those and provide your own. Um, but they give you towels for drying. Um, for anyone that has handicapped issues, the Americans for Disability Act really doesn't exist over there. And they're in a lot of hotels, especially the small rural hotels, you will rarely find rooms on the ground, um, hotel rooms uh, on the ground floor. That's what the Brit- we would call the first floor. The, Brit- the Europeans would call it the ground floor. Your, almost all of your rooms are on their first or their second and third floor, first and second floor. Mm-hmm. So you'd want to find out about that before you book a room at a hotel. And also the hotel rooms are much smaller. Very often there's just enough space to walk around the bed. And you might not even have a shower. You might just have a bathtub. Uh, because it, the French people are only just starting to get more into showers now. Uh-huh. But fortunately, you're seeing more and more showers where you're not stuck just with a bathtub and a handheld shower head. And also, you probably, uh, in the, all the years I lived in France, never once did I see a screen on a window. Yeah. So you'll be able to open your windows, which is wonderful, but be prepared for the insects to be coming in. Yes. <laughs> if you're in a rural area like Lorraine, France, where the Meuse-Argonne is situated, that means flies. Yeah. Yes, correct. correct. So I can um, I can speak to this like having gone to uh, Portugal as as uh, as a child and, and a teenager and stuff like definitely um, yes Europeans don't do screens for the most part so you must become accustomed to um, to having you know flies maybe maybe one maybe two buzzing about in your kitchen maybe more. Um, and they will, you know, get on your food. You, so, um, you know, your hand waving, um, that, that'll be going on, uh, all the time. Um, <laughs> however, I can say that, you know, I've, I made it this far. Uh, so I, I survived all of it. So 
um, yes, wildflies are gross and I don't want them on my food. A simple, you know, hand wave, you know, and you shoo them away, and, you know, and, and eat your, go, go ahead and eat your food and, and you know, for them, uh, you'll, you'll be okay. Um, but yeah, it is something to get used to. And also, um, on, on that note, like with the lack of screens, as you get into the afternoon, um, you may want to shut your windows uh, because that way um, you go ahead and keep mosquitoes out um, because mosquitoes at night can can really uh, mess with a good night's sleep like because they will be all over you. Uh, and I, I can remember many nights having to get up at like 11, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning and then like hunting for a tiny mosquito in the corner of the room, you know, and um, so it, it has those issues. So, so close those windows. Yeah. Right. Like, ooh, you just got to kind of deal with the heat, you know, but it's better than mosquitoes. So Right, because they usually don't have air conditioning in the hotel room, so. <laughs> that's yeah. correct. That's correct. Now, I will say one, one thing that's different is my experiences, um, the, the, my two recent trips to France, um, I've used Airbnb. So, um, so this is like for anyone who if you by chance have not heard of Airbnb it's or, or ever, ever used it, it's basically you are renting someone's apartment or someone's house uh, to use. And now the house that, that we rented in Vienne-le-Chateau in 2018, um, they did have um, AC uh, on the ground floor, like in the kitchen. So um, wow, excellent. Yeah. So that was, that was very, yes. Yeah. That was a very welcome, um, uh, welcome comfort um airbnb places like they will have like their own wi-fi so you can very quickly log on and and um you know get get on the internet um the question about washcloths i i uh i think that was correct i don't think they provided any washcloths um and but they did have towels for us so that was um as i recall but the house upstairs was like an old older French country house, very, um, very lovely, big windows, no screens whatsoever. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so Airbnb does provide a little bit, a, a little bit, uh, different experience, but still many, many of the same things. Mike related to that. Um, yep. the, the French site is called Gite de France, G I T E S dash D E dash france.com okay and they have a gite in french is a rental cottage and then they also have i'm going to kill the pronunciation so people understand it chambers de hautes and a chamber de haute is a b&b that's run it, it under french law it's typically historically it was run by um french farmers to give them an op- opportunity to get some more extra money Um, So you can go on that site and you can search the area that you want to stay in and you can look at rental cottages or B&Bs on that list as well. Um, They do have an English section. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've used it. I don't remember how user friendly it is. Oh, awesome. I will will look up the the website and and definitely get that online. Sure. So it's gitdefrance.com. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Cool. Cool. All right. So, um... All right, so we're going to bring it back to driving. Um, so thank goodness we're on the right side of the road, okay, just like here in the U.S. Now, is France, is it like Germany and the Autobahn? Can I just drive as fast as I want? 
Definitely not. They do have speed limits on all of their roads. And probably the most important rule of the road to know that's different from the U.S. is that you yield to the right. Yield you could get yourself killed if you did not keep that in mind. Um, fortunately, because they keep adding more and more roundabouts or circles, as we mm -hmm. say in the U.S. usually, in France, you have fewer occasions where you have to yield to the right. And there are actually French people now that are starting to forget. Oh. But that's the most important thing to keep in mind for that. The, the other thing, when you're on the highways, um, lane discipline is very enforced in Europe. And we Americans are very lazy at it. We think we can drive in the middle lane or in the left lane, regardless of whatever speed we're going. And the rule is you stay right except to pass. And if someone's coming up faster, you definitely get over as quickly as you can and let them pass. And it makes such a difference in the way the traffic moves. The traffic flows so much better because of that. Yes. Really, so much better. The, yep, uh, yep, yep. the one way that the traffic doesn't flow well is the trucks are limited to 90 kilometers per hour, which is about 54 miles, 55 miles an hour on the highways. And so they're going much slower. The, the speed limits in France are, they were 130, 90, and I believe 50. Yeah. Um, yes. 130 kilometers was the, is the speed limit on the auto routes. Um, 90 now in a lot of places, it's gone down to 80. So okay. times 0. 0.6 is 48, call it 50 miles an hour okay. um, on the back roads. And then 50 kilometers or 30 miles an hour when you're in the town, in the, in the town limits. And that means when you hit that sign that that town, that town is beginning, that's what you've got to be at. Okay. All right. Yeah. And about how much is, is 130 kilometers an hour? Is that around? 80. About 80? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. times 0. 0.6 is 78, but 80, call it 80 miles an hour. Yep. Yep. Okay. Good to know. Now, in uh, France, there are toll roads. There are rest areas. Uh, yes, there are uh, roundabouts, which uh, we call them uh, rotaries up here in Boston. Um, oh, forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there are speed limits, of course, and, and um, very thankfully, not with any experience, there are speed cameras as well. So you have to be, um, have to be aware of that. Oh, yeah, because they will get you. And, and here is the cultural difference on that in Europe versus over here. Now, I didn't see as many speed cameras in, Fran in rural France, but perhaps in other regions of France there are. But the... They give you a couple kilometers over, but they nail you and that's it. It's a done deal. You will get and you will get a letter from them later on when you get back from your vacation saying that you owe the ticket and you have to pay. You can you can fight it. But my point is, in the American court system, the courts are clogged with traffic violations and everyone goes and fights their ticket. In France, it's pretty much a done deal. They have a photo of you and your car and your license plate, and they know the speed you've gone in Europe in general, and it's a done deal. So their courts aren't clogged with everyone fighting tickets. You just have to pay it. Yes, that's correct. Hey, um, um, like I said, very happily, like no experience in France, but a um, 
a, a very much younger Mike Cunha who had a BMW in Germany uh, did have those experiences. So yes, you just get the ticket in the mail um, and there is a picture to back it up. So yeah, you just have to pay it. <laughs> so there's no arguing it. <laughs> um, all right. So um, now Mike, what about, Mike, oh yes. Could I just go back to the roundabouts for one second? Cause that yeah. freaks a lot of Americans out. Sure. And the rule is simple and the French know it and they, it, it really is a treat driving them once you get used to them. The, you yield to anyone that's in the roundabout. So if you're coming in, you yield to whoever's in there and what they're doing and then you make your way in. And it, the traffic, Carol was right when she said the traffic flows wonderfully as a result. Um, you know, I lived in Dulcon, France, um, about a half hour north of Verdun and getting into Verdun, I would have anywhere from eight to 12 roundabouts, depending on where I was going in that small city. Uh, but the traffic flows much better than having stoplights, I think. Yeah. But you just have to get used to it. And again, the rule is yield to anyone already in that roundabout making their way. And then you get yourself in. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and also, if you don't mind, yeah. um, I would like to add a note uh, in case there are people out there who aren't aware that if you're going to rent a car in France, uh, be prepared to have to possibly drive a manual transmission vehicle. Or if you want to make sure you get an automatic transmission, you've got to reserve well in advance because they don't have that many. Yes, do you know that? Yeah, yeah. Make sure that you, at the time of um, of rental, that you you do select automatic transmission because everyone is, um, yeah, manual transmissions are much more uh, much more commonplace in Europe. Um, so, so you have to. If you don't check that, you, you're going to get a manual transmission. So, <laughs> but it is so fun to drive. Oh yeah, in rural France, it certainly yeah. is. Yes, um, Americans are, in my opinion, very lazy when it comes to driving because our roads are a foot or two wider each lane. There aren't as many curves. It, it's a very you almost it's almost a mindless task in a lot of areas unless you're in a very built up area. Mm-hmm. And so we've become very lazy drivers. And I would say driving in France, you're a very active driver. You have to know exactly where you are on that road because you've only got, in some cases, a few inches before you go off into the shoulder. And if you're out in the middle of the country, the last thing you want to do is end up in a ditch and have to wait an hour or two to get, for a tow truck to get out there to pull you out. But active driving is fun in France. Yes, I agree. Yes, yes. And the, the last one we spoke, uh, Randy, we were um, – I was I was talking about how um, French drivers, especially out on the Meuse Argonne, the the two lane roads are very very narrow, and it may seem like the local French drivers are are pretty aggressive, but that isn't actually the case. Is it's just that they know those roads very much, like so much well because they they um they live there. Uh, so exactly, you you as the American tourist, you need to really be aware because like that sharp corner, like a local you know uh, local french frenchman or french woman they may come bombing around the corner and it, it seems a little intimidating but you know clearly you know they don't want to hit you either so um but again they're they're traveling faster because they know the roads much much better um so just be aware of that but it's like randy's saying driving the manual through those back roads of france yes it is it is a lot of fun it really yeah is. it really is and also 
real quick, like out in out in the Mers Argonne, um, the population is rather sparse. So you don't very frequently you get long stretches of the road to yourself. So you can you have time to like kind of figure things out and, and learn the lay of the land through the road that way. So that's a that's a great thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um all right. Now as Americans, we are um very very useful, um, and I dare say we 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 have come to uh, expect convenience. Now, what can I, the first time visitor to France, what can I expect for convenience? Like things like, clearly there are gas stations and convenience stations everywhere, right? And all the stores they're open till like nine ten o'clock, and gas and convenience stations are open all night, right? Ah, insert the laugh track here. <laughs> yes, insert laugh track here. <laughs> that, that's unfortunately the 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 op, total opposite. So, Correct. May, maybe we'll start with the gas. Sure. Um, in rural France, just like if you were to go off the interstate in rural America, gas stations are few and far between. So you want to make sure unless you're stupid like me, that you uh, keep the gas tank above half full. Um, otherwise, you could run into problems. The, um, in some cases, too, the, the gas stations might have a 24-hour um, location where you can use a chip card, but I haven't had luck with all of my credit cards, with chi- oh, even if they have the computer right. chips. Some, so my strategy then is if I pull into one of those and I really need gas and I can't get it, I'll try to wait for someone to show up and then I'll ask them in my terrible French that I explain that I'm an American and my card is not working. Can I pay you and use your card? Ah, that's, that's one strategy. That's what I should have done. Cause we got caught a couple of times not being able to pay for the gas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other, the other thing with regards to gas stations, um, is I would, I would say, um, if you really are in a bind, you can get back on the auto route and typically every 50 to 60 kilometers. So every 30 miles or so, there's a there's a rest area which has gas. And I actually on one of my tours when we were filming a Golden Cross to Bear mm-hmm. with Kane Farabaugh, I actually had to uh, we had to get on the auto route to go one stop to get gas. And then we got off again. Wow. 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 One thing um, I like to just throw in there is um, speaking for like the, the Mers Argonne area, um, gas stations are in um, uh, Verdun. And then is there one in, in Varennes as well, Randy? There is the, um, the Carrefour Express has a gas station. Yep. So, so it's um, kind of like when, when I was on tanks in the military, it was you, you gas up every chance you get. If you go near Verdun, go into the town, top off, and then, you know, go, go on, go back on sightseeing. But definitely work that into your, um, into your trips because, uh, yeah, there, there is many miles between gas stations, especially when you're out in a little French village. So um, need to, you need to definitely be aware of that. Um, and and your cheapest gas is, gas is normally offered at the hypermarkets. So Cora, Leclerc, 
or Leclerc. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the third big hypermarket chain, Carrefour. Um, the Carrefour is where we were never able to use our American credit cards. So and and, and see at the Carrefour Express in Varen, my credit card worked, and that's the oh. one, that's the one place where mine did work. So it, it, it's hit or miss. Hit or miss. Um, and that can be frustrating, especially if you're doing it after hours at one of the 24-hour ones. But but those are where you're going to find the cheapest gas because gas is very expensive too. Yes, it is. Very um, just looping back to to rental cars, like be aware you may get yourself a diesel. So be really cognizant of, of what fuel you're you're about to put into your car as well. So, <laughs> yes, um, there's a story there about my son, but I won't go into that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll have to get your son on here so he can, you know. <laughs> You can tell his side of the story. <laughs> um, so convenience, um, like um, so gas stations, convenience stations, uh, you know, many miles in between them. Um, store hours. What is that like? Uh, you really have to pay attention to the time if you are going to be running some errands or buying groceries because when you're outside of the big cities, they're going to close for lunch, typically 12 to two o'clock. And also they're not open late. They might close at seven o'clock or maybe earlier. Yeah. Six or six or seven typically is the closing time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even in Paris, even in Paris, a lot of stores will close by seven o'clock. So you really got to plan. Wow. Yeah, 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 that was something that I that I had put in, in my notes here was definitely work um, work groceries into your daily plan, like uh, either on your way out to seeing you know sites or on your way back in. You know, if you need to grab snacks or or if you're in an Airbnb and need to cook dinner tonight, like a lot time, like take yourself out of your daily activities to make it over to a grocery store because they do close around six or seven. There's there. Unfortunately, they're not open until eight, eight, nine o'clock. And I mean, and if I'm, you have a holiday, oh God, a lot of almost everything will be closed in <laughs> yeah. a recent trip to Normandy in June last year. I had to go three towns over to find a store that was open on a Monday morning and it was a holiday. But so between stores being shut on Mondays, a lot of stores are shut on Mondays between stores being shut on Mondays and the holiday. I ended up going three towns over to find a place where we got food for breakfast. Yes. You want to do your homework and find out what all the holidays are. Cause there are a bunch throughout the year when everything's shuttered. Yes. yes. I can, I can, I can ask for that. Um, August 15th is, um, it's the France's second largest holiday after Bastille Day on July 14th. So August 15th, I believe it's the... the Assumption? Yeah, Assumption Day, Feast of the Assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, we had um, we had no idea that it was coming, very very foolishly. And luckily, our, our biggest problem was that uh, myself um, and my friend and my, my stepson, we, um, who, who is an adult, and is over 21 and there's a reason like luckily our biggest problem was that we we ran out of beer that day but <laughs> oh but we had enough food but boy if we hadn't you know bought a lot and had leftovers like we really would have been um in trouble because every single store and this was the Somme area 
So we had like Albert and Bapome and Peron. Um, everything was closed. Every single thing was closed. We found nothing open. So that was a that was a very big wake up call for us. So and Sundays can be that way too. Almost everything is closed. Um, your restaurants now, unless you've got a restaurant at your hotel. But um, typically restaurants are closed on Sunday and the supermarkets might be open for a couple of hours in the morning so people can get their bits or, or the, the boulangerie, one, one boulangerie in town, a bakery. But don't expect them to stay open very late and then they'll shut down and that's it. Wow. So, so get out there. If you see it open, incorporate that into your daily plans and, and on a Sunday or a holiday, if you see it open, get in there and, and you know, buy what you need. Um, you know, and, and as, as an American tourist, I would almost, um, I would advise like maybe buy a couple days worth just so, just so you didn't, don't get caught, you know, um, unaware, unaware. Um, all right, cool. And yep. just to talk a little bit more about that lunchtime and that closure from 12 to two out in the country. So just about every business does, unless it's a restaurant where people go to eat. Um, and the supermarkets the, or the hypermarkets like Cora or Carrefour that have that serve food, they are typically open then. But otherwise, almost every restaurant, almost every business does shut down from 12 to 2. When you're looking at going to a restaurant, the opposite is kind of true. Um, after 2.30, it's pretty hard to find a restaurant open until 6 or 7 p.m. at night. Um, and so I, I don't know why the French do that, but, um, when my son was with me and we were living in France and, and traveling into Verdun, for instance, you have a teenager that doesn't wake up early. Mm-hmm. So we get down there at two or two thirty, and we expect to go into a restaurant to get something to eat because we have, he hasn't had breakfast yet and there's not a restaurant open. So your restaurant times for lunch are generally... I'd say 11.30 to 2.30 or 12 to 2. And then they're not open again until dinner time. Wow. Wow. I can, I can um, attest to, to the late dinner times. My, my cousins in Portugal, like they sit down for dinner at like eight would be the earliest. And, you know, and typically they would, they would invite us over and they'd be like, yeah, be, be over at nine. Like what? <laughs> for dinner, like at nine, like, you know? So yeah, right. so, so dinners dinners run late, yeah, and um, but yeah, but then they they do have that that two hour break in the middle of the day, which is really um, it's really quite nice if you've ever <laughs> if you've ever worked those hours. So yeah, um, and yes. typical dinner time in France is starts somewhere between seven and eight, seven thirty maybe is probably the most you know normal earliest. or earliest, and and then eight o'clock is the normal time. Yeah, more typical. Yeah. Okay. So question, Carol and Randy. Now, first time American tourist, I am going to get lunch at a French restaurant. I can, you know, pretty much sit down and eat my food, pay and be out the door in about an hour tops, right? Insert in that. America. <laughs> if you're lucky, <laughs> that's very hard. Um, very hard to get out of a French restaurant at lunchtime in less than an hour and a half, I would say. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, that's pushing it. Yeah, so two hours is more like it. So the yeah. one of the travel tips that I have on my website, um, 
is in some of the bakeries in the boulangeries, they'll have what they call like a formule sandwich, uh, a sandwich formula. And for seven to 10 euros, you get a sandwich, you get a dessert, and you get a drink of your choice. Um, and for, you know, so it's a great deal. And as long as you've got some way to keep those sandwiches cool, if you're talking about the heat of the summer, um, it's a great way to do it. And then you can eat out in the field whenever it's convenient for you. Yes, correct. I did one lunch in, in Verdun during during the peak times. And uh, yeah, it was it was about two hours to from start to finish. Um, so we we while the I will say that the food was delicious, like we just for a time, we were like, OK, we, we can't do this again. Um, so from there on, we just bought sandwiches like at the Carrefour or, or Cora in Verdun. Um, I, I am excited to try and um, try one of these, Randy, like one of one of these deals that, that you're that you're mentioning here, because um, that that sounds really good. I will say um, I, I'm I'm big into food anyways, and I'll eat pretty much whatever you put in front of me. But the food over in France is just um, delicious. Everything, even like the, the prepackaged sandwiches, everything is good. So we'll not, <laughs> don't worry guys. Like you, you know, it's all really, really tasty food. And that's why I hope that your listeners and anyone who goes over to France will at least take one day maybe where they will take the time for that two hour meal, whether it's lunch or dinner, because that's such a big part of the French lifestyle, you know, is enjoying the meal, having a leisurely meal, enjoying the company, savoring the food taking your time. And that's one of the things I love about France. So I hope everyone will experience that at least once. There, I fully concur. And my theme has always been, or my structure of the day has been breakfast and then hit the battlefields and hit them pretty hard and lunch in the field, but then come back to the hotel five or six or whenever you're out of patience or out of energy Mm -hmm. Um, rest up a little bit and then having that nice two hour sit down meal and talking about the experiences of the day over that meal. Um, You know, that's that's a good, um, really, really good. Thank you guys for bringing that up. Um, And also if I'm mad and when people are in a French restaurant, they should be cognizant of the fact that French people are soft-spoken and you should really keep your voice low. I mean, really anywhere you are, but especially in a restaurant, because it's really noticeable there if you're talking as loudly as we tend to do in restaurants. And also with attire, you know, they generally are not going to be wearing sweatpants, baseball caps or shorts in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So to wear proper attire. And also, if you're sitting there wondering why the waiter is not bringing you your check, you have to ask for the check because they do not want you to feel rushed. So they will not bring it until you ask for it, which I think is wonderful, actually. Yes, I've experienced that. Yes, yes. So in the field, I'll wear jeans, I'll wear um, cargo pants, that type of thing. And I have come back from to hotels extremely muddy to the point where I'm taking my boots off. So I hopefully don't track as much mud into the hotel as I, as I, uh, you know, could. Um, 
But then I always pack a couple of pairs of nicer slacks, sweater, you know, um, et cetera, or, or a sports jacket for that evening dinner. So Carol's absolutely right. You dress a little bit for dinner. You don't have to dress for the battlefield, but you do have to dress for dinner. Good. Good. That's, that's excellent to remember. Um, see, like with, with my um, Airbnb experiences, like we were just kind of at home for, for the evening. So um, we didn't we didn't plan for any of that. So it's really good. Um, really good to hear that even even for myself. Um, now, on the subject of like eating in a restaurant, being out amongst the French public and everything. Um, so first time tourists here again. Uh, customer service. Uh, as you know, as an American, I have come to expect that pretty much the customer is always right. And it's the same thing in France, right? I'm going to go ahead and say insert laugh track here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, it's still very much the, uh, you know, the, the store is right. Um, it, yeah. Um, one of the things, though, that, that uh, in one of the books that I, that I have read for getting cultural tips, and I'll mention that near the end, but one of the things that was mentioned is the French, when they are waiting on a customer, they – they wait on that customer and they don't pay attention to other people coming in or stuff, the, the, the owner or the work, the person working at the counter. But then once it's your turn, then you get the full attention of that person. And Americans are so used to the minute you come into the store, somebody has to acknowledge your presence. So if you go into a store and you don't get that, it's like, wow, what's this, you know, what's this French bastard doing? Why, why isn't he at least recognizing me or saying something? But that's that's a cultural difference. And also uh, some reasons that have been given for why the French are not as customer service oriented as we are is because, number one, workplaces are about giving employment, not service. And also for them, providing service equates to being servile and losing your freedom. And. In order to get good customer service in France, you really have to build a relationship with the merchant. You have to be a regular customer. So, of course, when you're a tourist, you don't have that opportunity. And also, if they screw something up, French people do not like to admit errors or ever admit (laughs) that they made a mistake or are wrong. So they're not going to take your side on it and say, oh, yes, you're right. Okay, we screwed up. No, it's not going to happen. So how that customer service works a bit. Sorry, Mike, I'm cutting you out. But uh, in in the Hotel de Commerce in Overville that I've been staying at ever since 1994, um, in 2005, I was leading a group of reenactors from my reenacting unit on a battlefield tour. And one of the spouses um, had a urinary tract infection. She was getting, we didn't know that, but she was getting sicker and sicker. So we went down to the hotel so that she could go and rest. On a Friday night, um, again, because I'm a known entity there and I've been there for a long time and they might do this anyways, but the, the thing that was amazing was on a Friday night, they called a local doctor. He came and paid her a visit and only charged about 20 or 30 euros. Wow. And then they called the, um, pharmacy in the next town over uh, Clermont and Argonne that was um, it was closed but they opened it up so that we could go and get those drugs so that she could get better wow and 
then that night after everything and we were having dinner and we sat down, um, Monsieur Lebras, Laurent Lebras, the, the owner, he and Patricia, um, you know, he, he poured us all, I think it was pasties, um, and poured us all a, a drink. And, you know, it was just kind of like saying, okay, you know, now you're accepted. You're, you're one of us. <laughs> and that to me was a beautiful moment because yeah. I had been going for so many years. And I finally realized that those relationships that Carol talks about, if you have the luxury of going your, you know, multiple times, those relationships are really valued. Oh, really because they really do have an us and them mentality. Huh. And so, yeah, your objective is to get to the us side. So you attained that then, Randy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Took a few years, but I attained it. Well, that's so good to know. That's important to know, too. So, oh, that's excellent. Excellent. All right. Um, now, uh, one thing that I've seen is um, – uh, along the lines of that kind of of that um, earlier conversation on convenience and everything, um, toilets. How about that, Randy? I'll um, I'll let you begin with with the Mers Argon. Insert laugh track here again. Yeah, uh, that, that's going to be the phrase, the catchphrase from this podcast. Yeah. I think. Um, French businesses do not have to make toilets open to the public unless they serve food. Wow. So if you're a restaurant or if you're a supermarket like Core or Carrefour or a hypermarket and you've got a food bar, then you have to make your restaurants open to the public. So again, I believe it was the words of uh, Rob Laplander that said, never leave a, a restroom unused. Um, <laughs> the, you know, the other places in the Mers Argonne, the Mers Argonne American Cemetery has one and Jean-Paul de Brises Museum, Romagna 14 to 18 has one. Um, but otherwise, you should definitely, I mean, for men, it's not as bad because you're out in the country, you can easily go behind a bush and stuff. But if you're a female, you either have to get comfortable doing that or you, you have to be pretty strategic about where you find your restrooms and when you find them. Correct. Carol, any, any, uh, any thoughts or insight on that? Well, people should be prepared to perhaps encounter a squat to- toilet. Oh. I'm amazed that they still exist. Fortunately, you don't see them very often. Wow. But that's definite. That's a culture of shock experience when, when you encounter that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Wow. I don't think I've ever seen one. So, wow. Good. Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so, backing up what Randy said, uh, definitely out in the Mers Argonne, like, um, do not leave a restroom. Uh, unused as, as Rob Laplander says, um, take, take a chance. Like every, everywhere you go that has a bathroom, go ahead and use it. Um, of course, and, and with guys, it is much, much easier to, to, to solve that issue. Funny is, um, the Mers Argonne, it's, it's pretty easy as a guy, um, having gone from the Mers Argonne to the Psalm, um, we actually had the opposite because the Psalm was like very much populated compared to the Mers. And there's it's rolling farmland, so not to get too gross, but there are no tree lines uh, on the slope. So it also uh, becomes a strategic choice for for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so be aware wow. of where you are in France. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah. So excellent. So um, one thing that I that I do want to say, like kind of moving out of out of the questions, um, like we've talked about, you know, convenience, you know, just eating eating in France, like um, being around um, local French people. Try the language. Do make an attempt at speaking French. They will appreciate it. And um, um, things are not as convenient. Please be aware of your holidays. Please be aware of the two-hour break. Um, I think it's something akin to like um, uh, siesta. So you know, be aware of that break in the middle of the day. Um, but things that I that I do want to say are again, the food is delicious. Um, shopping experiences in the the the. Uh, hypermarket or the, the Cora or Carrefour, it's very similar to the US um, or, or experiences in London or, or anywhere else. Um, I will say this too, um, if it interests you, is one thing I noticed is the wine really is as cheap as water in France. It is, Isn't it, something? it is like heaven over there. Yes. Um, yeah. as, as I had hoped and expected it to be. And another big thing is if you are out in a small French village uh, or even like staying out somewhere in a hamlet or something like that, um, if your village or, or place doesn't have a little local bakery, um, there are bread trucks that drive by in the morning. They, they kind of make their rounds to these smaller villages. And um, it's from a bakery, maybe a few villages away. Um, so you will get fresh bread, um, fresh croissants, everything. And, and I, guys, I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you like how cool and how delicious it is to like get, buy a bunch of bread from, <laughs> from the back of this bakery van and then bring it inside and just like bite into it. It is so, so good. So, um, yes. And I say, please, people do not be like one of my friends who was visiting me in France. And I said, would you please try a croissant? And she said, oh, I have them in America. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, it's not the same thing. Not at all. And another thing besides the wonderful croissants and pastries and bread is if you come across an open air market, I highly recommend visiting it. We have more and more of them in the U.S., but it's still it's not the same as in France. And that is just quintessentially French. The the markets with the ambiance, the banter, um, it's like the neighborhood meeting place. And of course the quality of the products is wonderful and you should not touch the food at all. Uh, what's wonderful is that you tell the vendor when you want to eat a particular fruit and they will pick out the fruit that will be perfectly ripe the day that you want to eat it. Wow. And it's just a, a wonderful experience and I highly recommend it. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, all right. So I think, um, I think we've got a good amount of information here for the first time tourist. Um, but Carol, if um, anyone wants more detail or they want to have a handy guide while, they're, while they are in France, how can, um, how can people access your book? 
Well, they can go on to Amazon.com, and right now it's an ebook, but you don't even need a Kindle to read it because you can download free software on Amazon in order to be able to read the book on your computer, phone, or tablet. And so the title again is Living and Working in France, Thriving Through Understanding. And my full name is Carol Kiefer. And also, if anyone thinks I can help them perhaps with um, a coaching session or anything like that before they're preparing to go on a trip, I'd be happy to help them out with that. And they could email me at kieferculture at gmail.com. And Kiefer is spelled K-I-E-F-F-E-R. I would love to hear from people or even if they have any comments or questions about the podcast. I'd love to hear from people. Oh, excellent. And I'll, I'll post links to your book in the, in the episode notes. Um, so that's excellent. Uh, Randy, any, any closing thoughts? Sure. Um, we talked about a lot of topics and you're probably overwhelmed at this point. My strategy before going over was to spend one or two hours reading a book on the cultural differences. Carol mentioned her book. The book that I learned way back when in the dark ages was Savoir Flair, 211 Tips for Enjoying France and the French. And what I used to do is literally before a trip, I would sit down and browse through it and look at the cultural tips a little bit. Um, other places are um, on musargon.com. I've got the travel tips in the blog section. So you go to blog travel tips. And Rick Steves has a lot of great stuff, too. Um, so between Carol's book, this uh, Savoir Flair, um, newsargon.com blog, and Rick Steves, you know, traveling abroad shouldn't be a fearful event. And it's not if you ha- do a little bit of homework to prepare. And that would be my recommendation to your listeners. Yeah. You're going to have a wonderful, magnificent experience. The better prepared you are, the better your experience will be. Exactly. Totally. I um, completely agree. Um, and I would also j- just add, like, and it's it's really, once you're there and, and you're doing it, it's it's really not that difficult. And, and um, French people are... <laughs> are lovely. Um, the possible exception, you know, perhaps maybe Paris, but it's the same thing as going to New York city or Boston here, you know, but get out into the countryside. Everybody is very helpful and very kind and so generous with their, with, with whatever you may need. Um, so, you know, it's not impossible. It's not, uh, it's not something that, you know, it's not, it's not a fantasy. It can, it can be done. Um, and of course with, um, with that, you know, we've got uh, Randy has just launched his uh, Knee Deep into History uh, tour group. Um, and we've got uh, myself and Robert Laplander. We've got the Lost Battalion tours going. So um, there are plenty of, of, uh, of, of very, very enthusiastic folks out there willing to show you around the battlefield. So, um, yeah. So this, is, this has been a great, great talk, guys. All right. Well, thank you so, so much for, for giving me the time out of your uh, Sunday evening for this. Um, and I, I, think, I think this episode is going to go a long way towards helping, um, towards helping tourists uh, uh, who, who are traveling over to France. So thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. This has been fun. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yes. Same here. Same here. Thank you so Likewise, much. Likewise, and throw away the fear and just do it. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. All right, guys. All right. So. Um, 
Take care.